Hey, what's up? My name is Kevin Deers, and this is The Defiant Ones, the Patreon-exclusive podcast for members of The Defiance to get a closer look at people involved here with Defy, whether it be wrestlers, people behind the scenes, uh, members of The Defiance. Uh, we just try to go deep dives with people that are involved with Defy. And uh, this week, we're, we've got a really cool interview for, for you with someone who recently made their debut, but he's going to be coming back on the 30th. We'll get to that in just a moment, but again, Saturday, April 30th is going to be one of Defy's biggest events yet, definitely the biggest since the return during the pandemic. Saturday, April 30th at Washington Hall here in Seattle, it is called Defy Wild Ones, presented by 605. Look at this card, okay? We got John Moxley returning to Washington Hall to face Filthy Tom Lawler. We got Schaff versus Timothy Thatcher. Match is going to be insane. We got Steve Miggs taking on El Fantasmo in a grudge match. We have the PCW Ultra Women's Championship match with the champion Danica De La Rouge taking on the challenger Kikio. The Defy Tag Team Championship belts are on the line as the champs Bollywood Boys defend against Guillermo Rosas and Cody Chun. And the match that is going to be... Definitely shaking the ring a bit. We got Brody King returning to Washington Hall to face the guy I'm about to chat with, Big Demo. So without any further ado, let's get ready for that match on the 30th for Defy Wild Ones at Washington Hall by listening to this interview and watching this interview with Big Demo here on the Defiant Ones. Right now on the line, I'm talking with the Beast of Belfast, Big Demo. How you doing, brother? Feeling good. It's been late for me over here in the East Coast. Uh, I'm sure you're uh, you're feeling pretty good yourself, but no, I'm getting there. I've had a good weekend. I'm uh, ready to go. So to where bed. are you right now? <laughs> where are you? I'm in Orlando right now. So the uh, that's where we're uh, we're based. But uh, yeah. I've had I've had a fun uh, I've had a fun few weeks. So looking forward to uh, an easy night. It looks like. Well, tell me about your last weekend. Where where where'd you go? Uh, where'd you travel to? Who'd you wrestle? Uh, well, I was actually with uh, New Japan Strong there yesterday, uh, yeah. and I wrestled uh, John Schuyler. We were over in Tampa, St. Pete area, and uh, it was my first time. I'd, I'd done a bit of work with New Japan when they were over uh, with Rev Pro in the UK, um, and I'd, I'd been very blessed with the, <laughs> getting the rest of the likes of Ishii, Tanahashi, Nakamura, whatever else. But um, this time around, uh, you know, walking in as a to an actual New Japan event was very cool, yeah. um, and I got to in there with John Skeller, who's a bit of a, like a veteran journeyman himself from the Carolinas and he's an incredible talent. So it was great to get in there with him and uh, great to, to make the debut. I had a lot of fun. Um, and I saw a lot of familiar faces. Actually, there was uh, my, uh, my opponent from Defy was there, Eddie Kingston. So nice. uh, no, no love lost there, you know, yeah. and uh, also got to see Kevin Knight who I met for the first time yes. there last week at, at Defy as well. So, uh, and the rest of this week, I was actually doing in-ring training, which was a, uh, it's not a lot of fun when you get to my wit, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, it sounds like you had a packed weekend. Um, my first question for you. Okay, so I, if you look at my ID, you will see long, luxurious hair. I had long metal hair, but I started to lose it a little bit up here. And I go to so many metal shows where people hold on for way too long and they get the skullet. Tell me about your hair journey. What made you decide to cut it all off? Were you starting to lose it or did you just want to have a different look? 
So I, uh, about two years ago, three years ago, I started noticing it. Um, I think it was actually just before we got promoted. And I, I, I noticed that, you know, it was starting to, to thin at that point. Yeah. I actually went to, um, the officials went to the writer. I went to the, the people in charge at the very top. And I said, like, I think it might be worth uh, maybe shaving the old noggin. Um, yeah. it, you know, it's starting to recede. Like, no, like, no, it looks fine. You know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh God. Cause that's the only thing I can focus on then when yeah. I watch myself, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, it didn't, it didn't recede too quickly, but then I, uh, I might've had a bite with alopecia. Um, it kind of runs in my family sure. because I, suddenly a chunk was gone. I was like, oh Christ. Um, and uh, I was like, well, that's, you know, literally my, uh, the day after, pretty much two days after um, I uh, I got the call that I was being released. I just went and shaved it off. So it was like um, a very quick decision. Don't get me wrong. When I first did it, I was heartbroken, you know? Yeah. And yeah. then uh, w- w- honestly, like I, I did like a, a number three or a number four or something yeah. like that. And I, I hated how it looked. Um, and then I, I took a Gillette and shaved the whole thing off and I meant felt immediately better and it's just so much easier to maintain i like how it looks um but don't get me wrong like you know one of the funnest parts was i created that image um you know many years ago and it really fit in with the beast of belfast persona Uh um and i i enjoyed it but you know it was it was time um you know they always say that you know male pattern baldness runs on the on the uh, your mom your mother's side and like that is definitely not true because they they've all got a lovely head of hair. My my grandfather went with a head of hair to his to his deathbed, and yeah. uh, there's me, you know, somehow thinning, and then suddenly, you know, it's all gone. But uh, no, it was it was it was time, and like I think oh, you know, yeah. I had just that little touch of alopecia. I think that was kind of the final, you know, that's time to go. Um, and uh, I was like, you know what, like it was as good excuse as any. Um, and I've actually been really enjoying like creating this this kind of new image for myself. Yeah. Um, it means very little to other people, but to me, it's like, oh my god, oh, yeah. you know, I have to try something completely new. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I think personally, my thought, my theory is that once you noticed it, then that then you started stressing about it, then the stress caused you to lose there. No, that's probably how that's honestly how probably mine. So would not surprise me because I I just remember looking like um. One of the times, like uh, one of the matches I had, and I think it might even have been against Swerve, one of my final matches, and I oh, just yeah. looked at my head and I was like, "What the hell have I done <laughs> to that hair?" Like, um. So my problem was right. My, my hair naturally had a middle parting, sure. um. So like I started balding in a really weird way. Like yeah, I kind of yeah. started balding as a middle parting, which is like most people kind of bald right at the front or they bald yeah. in the crown. I was balding right up this fucking middle here, and like I was like, "Okay, I need to, uh, I need to make a decision here," and then. You know, I had this this little kind of chunk came out right over the top. Yeah. I was like, okay, maybe it's maybe it's time. And uh, no looking back now. I literally can't. <laughs> man, we're getting really deep in here, man. Talking about balding, dude. Good time. <laughs> I know that there's people listening and watching right now who can relate. So shout out to you. Uh, you know what? Like, listen, listen, people like, you know, my friends who made fun of me. I used to make fun of my friends who were bald, right? Yeah. And I went bald. So, uh Every, it's just a matter of time for everybody. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the sad part for me is I'm so fucking hairy off everywhere else. <laughs> It'd be easy to have a tra- hair transplant. Uh, there'd be a lot to choose from on you. Oh, uh, listen, I think they'd be spoiled for choice, to be honest. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, okay. So, so you recently made your Defy debut. We're going to get to that. You wrestled Eddie Kingston, who you said you just saw this past weekend. We're going to get to all that. But, you know, I, I want to start this off with, um, you know, 
when was your first memory of wrestling in your life? Was it something that you were exposed to at a young age or, you know, what was it like? Cause, cause you're from Northern Ireland, Belfast. Did you guys get exposed to wrestling there? So I, I imagine like there was maybe plenty of wrestling pre the, uh, the troubles as they call them. Yeah. Um, you know, there would have been more live events. I know there would have been maybe the occasional stuff in the eighties and nineties, depending on how ballsy people were to put on shows. But like me personally, my, my first experience of it was about 88 or 89. Mm. Um, I was about three years old um, and a friend of mine uh, noticed that it was coming on. WCW was coming on. Well, sorry, wow. NWA was coming on okay. ITV. Um, one week it would be World of Sport. One week it would be NWA. And then eventually World of Sport just died off and it was it was NWA. And then it became WCW. So that was kind of three, four years old. And I'm, I'm that was it. I was I was enchanted. Um, yeah. My, my best friend, like, uh, who I still speak to t- today, which is which is hilarious. He kind of got me into it because um, he was a year older than me, so he was a bit more cognizant about what was going on. Um, and he actually has the first tape that that he ever watched, which is insane. So I don't really know yeah. which one was the first one I ever watched. It probably was the same one. Um, but it's funny because like Michael Hayes was on that very first um, that very first tape, and I ended up working with him so you know i told my friend this and he's like oh my god he was on the first tape whatever um but then uh my first real memory though was sting you know because sting was he was probably my favorite wrestler when i was a kid um yeah. especially for for wcw i heard about wwf a little later um but on free television that's that's where nwa and then wcw came on um and it was just you know it was larger than life characters colorful like exciting whatever else and it was on the middle of like Saturday afternoon, you know, so it yeah. was just a, an incredible time. Um, and then my love affair just kind of started from there. And like I it came off television for a while and then eventually we get cable and yep. you're able, your cable got like a lot more affordable in Northern Ireland, like in the late, the late nineties, um, you know, after the peace process and all this kind yeah. of stuff. So a lot of, a lot of things changed. So it meant, okay, people are going to come in and try and make money. Yeah. And uh, it was good for us. Cause then I'm suddenly, exposed to WCW again, WWF. Yeah. There's ECW comes on Friday nights at oh, two cool. in the morning. It was insane. Yeah. Like you just, I'm just suddenly I'm 13 years old and I'm just being bathed in, in, in wrestling. So, yeah. um, so, you know, I was always a fan, like, you know, throughout my, my entire childhood, but like it was the, that early teen when it really took off and like, obviously, you know, society was reflected in wrestling. It, it, it was car crash it was exciting it was crazy there's so much stuff happening um and then you know i, I get to see on wcw there's a northern irish wrestler yes friendly and that first was time it. i that ever was... heard the word belfast was the belfast bruiser the belfast bruiser himself and like listen yeah. you know Finley. like i think i never realized how good he was at that point i just knew that he was irish you know what i mean mm-hmm. but it was much later like especially as i got into wrestling and stuff like that, and especially like when i got to work with him and train with him, you realize this man is literally a fountain of knowledge he's he's yeah. one of the best professionals on earth so it was incredible to you know he was uh trying to tell him this but you know he, he doesn't doesn't like taking credit for anything um and he and i told him like he's kind of the reason why i became a wrestler because i was like well yeah. you know if he can do it if i work hard enough i can do it and that was literally what happened and you know having a chance to uh, to work with him later on in my career was incredible i just wish i, I missed a chance to maybe work him uh, in the early 2010s mm-hmm. when he when he was just he, he was over in, in britain and i missed an opportunity to work with him but i got to work with him as a as a coach and as a producer and it was a great experience for me obviously like you know <laughs> 
to follow some way in his his footsteps was was outrageous. But I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't claim to have even twenty five percent of the skill he has. <laughs> well, now that you're wrestling with New Japan and New Japan Strong, you're probably going to be able to wrestle with his son. Honestly, so I met him for the first time yesterday. Um, he's been like. We have a lot of mutual friends, so like yeah. it's it was a long time coming, yeah. uh, and he's this incredible fella. It was immediately very easy to talk to. So, That's awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's a great talent himself, and hopefully we'll we'll be able to get in there and lock up. So, the and then even there's there's also a younger Finley uh, who's going to be uh, showing face very That's shortly. Awesome. So there'll be a, a couple of generations to uh, to batter. <laughs> nice, dude. Okay, so. So, you know, I'm, I'm not the most knowledgeable on this subject. So, you know, stop me if I'm saying something ignorant or out of line. But from what I understand, uh, the, the troubles and, and the Northern Ireland conflict was a nationalist conflict uh, that lasted about 30 years. Uh, and, and is that right? From the 60s to the 90s? Uh, probably lasted probably about 500 years, buddy, to be honest. Oh, okay. um, but in, in so far as the troubles, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the more uh, immediate was probably yeah probably 30 years or whatever else but like okay. it had last you're talking about even 100 years before that the easter rising you know and stuff like that you know there were so many times that like this is flared up and whatever else i mean somebody occupies your country what are you going to do about it so mm-hmm. um but eventually you know they, they had the the good friday agreement in 1996 and it was yeah. 1998 sorry 1998 and that changed our world um mm-hmm. you know that finally for the first time in my life i'm 13 years old i think it was you know 13 years old um and suddenly the you know the your country is open again um like don't get me wrong like you know we a lot luckier than a lot of the eastern european countries and stuff like that but um truth be told you know you know it was a normal part of our life to be uh in effectively martial law when i was when i was really young and then as we got older you, you know it wasn't as wasn't as strict and you'd see um soldiers at street corners holding rifles and whatever else and you know that was it was just a really normal part of life and absolutely despising uh people of a different religion than you and not really knowing why and it was a very very bizarre existence i'm lucky that my my parents um my parents are incredible people and uh, they had friends from from both both communities and stuff like that and they never wanted that for me and my Mm -hmm. sister and stuff like that so you know, we lived in a mixed area, which meant there was more conflict and things like that. But it also meant I had friends from both sides. And um, it's one of those things like I, I was I was very lucky, like my, my my family were really ahead of the game with that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But I, I did fall into a, a very difficult time when I was from 10 to 14. Like, and, you know, gang violence got pretty high, especially as the peace process happened. A lot more stuff was kind of happening on the streets and stuff like that, which is like, you know, <sighs> This is pre-technology, really. You know what I mean. Yeah. So, um, you know, so I kind of fell in with a like a bad crowd, and eventually my parents kind of realized they needed to get us out of there. So, yeah, <laughs> um, I did things I'm not proud of, but you know, I, thankfully I've got uh, I've got a fantastic family, and you know, they they noticed what was happening. We moved out to the countryside, away from the city, and yeah. that changed my life. And I was able to focus on what I wanted to do. You know, going forward, and um, had we stayed there, I don't know. Like I, I'm not going to lie to you. Like there's a whole lot of people dead who I went to school with. Um, I think I'm the only surviving male from one of my classes. You know, stuff like that is, you know, and I I feel like it's funny. I I think about these things now and I'm like, it didn't seem that bad at the time. Um, But it's more when you look back and you go, okay, that was pretty weird actually. Um, But then my experience was nothing in comparison to how bad my my parents' experience was. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they, uh, 
they, they had it a lot rougher than I did. Like my dad was telling me this crazy story. Um, so it's his school exams when he's 15. Um, and my, where my dad lived, he lived in Armagh, which is like a, it's a smaller city, um, a bit further south of Belfast. Sure. And my dad was just walking to school to do his, uh, to do his exam. And oh. he, a guy drives by him and just toots the horn, you know, and waves. It was just, yeah. just what you do, you know. Um, the locals just all knew who each other were. Um, my dad obviously waves back, not knowing who it was. He probably probably had an idea, but like, he was just like, yeah, whatever, you know. Dad's like, yeah. whatever. He's, he's going to school, for Christ's sake, to do an exam. Um, and then out, out of the grass comes the British Army. They they grab him, put him in the back of a van, beat the shit out of him, uh, question him about who... Uh, who that guy was um and uh this is the you know this is the thing my dad's 15 years old he's he's not even an adult and he's getting the shit kicked out of him so it's like um um you know the, the best part is they pull him out of the van because he's got no information for the guy mm-hmm. and literally the next car that goes by sees that my dad's had a bit of a hiding toots the horn and waves just having a laugh so kind of explain to the, the army that that's just what what people do you know what i mean wow. so um, and then, uh, you know, they let, finally let go of my dad. My dad has to go to school and somehow do an exam after getting the shit kicked out of him. So, um, but like, you know, that, that, that happened a lot, especially in the 60s, 70s. Um, my parents eventually had to go to England just to get educated and stuff like yeah. that, which is, which is just the way it was at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, you know, that thankfully they met there, which is great. <laughs> and then I came yeah. along not yeah. too long later. So, um, but yeah, like, honestly, like the, uh, the troubles wasn't a, incredible the more i think the more I, I learn about it now it's it's more bizarre because like at the time you, you just you just soldier on you just do what you can yeah. um it's only when you look back at it and you go jesus that was that was mental um uh, and as i say like our experience is pale in comparison to some of the, some of the folk in eastern europe yeah. and, and stuff like that so like the um you know pfft, I'm sure I'll be in therapy at some point in my life to try and understand a lot of this stuff. But uh, I, at least right now I can look back on it. And one of the best parts is like being able to speak to my family about it and like kind of understand like their experiences and stuff like that because they all had very unique experiences because my mom, actually, she grew up in an area that was a complete opposite religion that, than she was. So she grew up in a completely different scenario than my dad. Yeah. Um and it's so incredible here and their, 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 both of their experiences, like, um, and, you know, how they came through it. So, yeah, like yeah. For, for, for people who don't know and stuff like that, like, uh, thankfully, it's in a bit, we're in a better situation yeah. now. But uh, every now and again, you know, we do get it flaring up, you know, the new ge- as the generations go on, generally we get better. Um, we, um, but it's still, you still have ignorance on both sides and mm-hmm. It's sadly, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. We we kind of get like a little element of that here in in America when uh, election season comes along, you know. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> people get a bit uh, get blown away uh, with things, but uh, in in Northern Ireland, it, it has got a lot better. And like, one of the beauty yeah. is anybody who actually has been to Belfast in the last ten years are the first to tell me how awesome their experience was. Yeah. Everybody was so friendly and stuff like that, and that's awesome because I left Belfast when I was 14 years old. Um, I moved to the countryside for a few years and then off yeah. I was. I went to Scotland and England and I, I learned to wrestle. So I, I've lived outside of Belfast for a long time. Yeah. So it's really cool when I go back now and I have such a good time. And like, I think there's there's generally a, a, like a, a better atmosphere um, from, from both sides of, of the divide yeah. and whatever else. And also like, you know, I think a lot of people have moved on and religion's obviously not as big um, as it was whenever I was mm-hmm. a child. Like people have kind of, you know, 
caught themselves on, as they say in Northern Ireland, which means you know they've they've moved on in, in an intelligent way, as best best as we could say it. But yeah. um, no, one of the uh, one of the coolest things is being able to see like Northern Ireland being used in Game of Thrones and things like that for wow. you know a lot of the filming. So anytime I go back, we try and do tours and, and see some of the areas that were used for filming. And it's just been one of the, the, the most awesome parts is these busloads of people from all over the world are coming into Northern Ireland to see it. And it, it is very cool. So no, the, it has been, uh, it's been a lot better <laughs> this last, uh, yeah. this last pile of years. And uh, thankfully uh, touch wood um, that uh, it's only going to get better. So this past week, obviously, St. Patrick's Day. Is that a holiday where people celebrate here in America and you probably just go, oh, they don't even know? <laughs> uh, so St. Patrick's Day is a funny one. So when I was a student uh, and I was in uh, I was in Scotland, like I was like, oh, yeah, whether it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'd be out partying on St. Patrick's Day, of course. Yeah. Um, as I got older, I was like, this is the most nonsense day possible like I, I think it's uh just an excuse for anybody to go yes let's go drink whatever yeah listen um, to dropkick murphy's yeah well honestly i i i'm a big dropkick murphy's fan when to see them so, <laughs> um like i was actually wearing my dropkick Mur- murphy shirt on nice. uh, march 17th so i went uh i went with a, a bunch of our friends uh, and we had a really good hangout um but we we didn't go out because Going into town to to the Irish bars and stuff like that is just bedlam. Um, and yeah. we're still not quite past the COVID era, so yeah, you know, and I have to pass a lot of tests depending on where I go. Where you wrestling? Just yeah. just for Sunday there, like for for New Japan, we had to do a bunch of them as well. So you you have to like you have to be a bit bit smart when it comes to this yeah. kind of stuff. But um, I'm hoping that maybe you know when all this clears up, I can maybe go up to New York or something and, and try one. Um, because from what I hear, it's it's a it's an incredible night. But uh, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> um, because the, the funniest part of his Paddock's Day is, is like, you know, you know, they talk about the snakes and talk about all this crap, right? Yeah. The day after St. Patrick's Day, right? This is for real. I saw my first giant snake here in Florida. And I'm like, oh, fuck's really? sake, Patrick, you didn't get rid of them everywhere. You only got rid of them in Ireland. <laughs> uh, I saw, honestly, I saw, I think it's called a black rat snake, right? Oh my Six God. foot long, fast yeah. as fuck. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, the, um, taunting me after St. Patrick's Day. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> taunting me, right? The, uh, <laughs> um, I'd seen a couple of these tiny ones, right? These, yeah. these tiny, like, ring necks, like, whatever they're called, right? Yeah. And I saw this six-foot bad boy, and he's right outside my front door, and I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, this is terrible. But uh, <laughs> that's the it's joys the of living here, you know? <laughs> living yeah. in Florida. The snake's revenge. All right, man. So so, uh, so you, you go to the countryside, and then you go to Scotland, and then you go to the UK, and then where do you learn about, you know, the chance to become a wrestler and, and what makes you want to actually do this thing. Cause it's a, it's a big jump from, you know, being a big fan to then actually taking that jump to like train and do the thing. So when I was, when I was 15, um, I was just internet had really just started coming in. You know, we, we got our first modem or something oh, like yeah. that. This is God people like kids listening are going, what's he talking about? What's a modem? Um, <laughs> I got a 14.4 modem, right? Oh my god! Yeah, and uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, you know, you start getting the internet. You start, you know, because I was mad about wrestling, so you know, you start researching. You start finding message forums, message boards, and like that's I would how look I started. Up wrestlers' real names. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, of course. Or, or even worse is you find like the the terrible rumor sites and stuff oh, like yeah. that, which are just just nonsense. Yeah, you know, like Rikishi's dad or something like yeah. whatever that something like 
Kane and Undertaker's younger brother is going to... Like, there was all this kind of... And you're like, okay. What then does you Kane look like without a mask? Woo. Oh, my... Well, <laughs> well, it was funny. I found out. I did actually find out from uh, from Luke Gallows that he was being talked about as being like a brother of Undertaker and Kane. And I found this out way later. And I'm thinking, when I was a kid, man, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, that'd be so cool. <laughs> um, but no, honestly, the... Um, so I just get into the message boards and forums and you start finding like the, the ones based in Britain and Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um and when I was about 16, like I, I started talking to a group, like I think we we used to e-fed where, you know, you'd, you'd oh, uh, role E-fed. play as, of course, you'd role play as a wrestler and whatever else. But I actually met a bunch of lads through that who ended up going to Canada and, and, and training to wrestle. And I met ones who, who set up a school in Scotland. So I moved over to Scotland. Then when I hit 18, I finished school. I went over um, to Scotland uh, to university, but I, I went straight. To, uh, you pretty much use my student loan just to, to, to fund my wrestling training. Um, and that was it. I started there in Scotland. It was awful, terrible uh, standard of wrestling. Um, but I, I just wanted to see if I could do it, if I could fall over, if I could not get hurt. Um, I did get hurt. I could fall over. And then I was like, oh, okay, I, I, could, uh, I could maybe try this. I was doing it like once every week. And then eventually I was doing it twice a week. And eventually it was three times a week. And then I started traveling all over Britain, um, you know, picking up matches where I could. And then, you know, going to different coaches, going to seminars, wherever I could. Like, um, and you, you just you just do that for as long as you can. You start getting better. Yeah. You start getting opportunities and things like that. And it goes from, you know, a hobby to then, okay, it's it's kind of like a part-time job. Sure. Um, and then it becomes my full-time job. And then when it was my full-time job, I started like, okay, um, I started making a, a bit more of an effort, like figuring out, okay, what do I need to do to do yeah. next? And yeah. I, st- I, I found that Robbie Brooks, I'd opened a school in Leicester yeah. and Leicester from Glasgow is about six hour drive. So I would travel down there once a week um, and I'm working as much as I can. And then I I pop in to see Robbie and Robbie kind of changed my life. And like, he kind of helped me figure out that I was good enough to go to the next level, but I needed to, I needed to find my X factor. And that was something that took me a little while because I I looked like everybody else. It's maybe about 250 at this point. And when I debuted, I was like, this is crazy. When I debuted, I was about 180. What? I was, I was, uh, I was, I was a very skinny guy. I was, cause I was an athlete. I played soccer in college okay. and stuff like that. Like I was, it's hard to believe looking yeah. at me that I was actually an athlete. Right. <laughs> um, but, uh, as I, as I started realizing what I wanted to do, I got more into heavy lift and I got into power lifting and everything else. And yeah. you're eating 6,000 to 10,000 calories of food a day. And yeah. you know, you start looking a bit different. Sure. Um, and that, that's what helped me find what I wanted to do next. I kind of realized, you know, cause I was wearing singlets, you know, kind of covering myself up. Yeah. Um, and I was, uh, I think a friend of mine just said, geez, you got massive legs. And I was like, Oh shit, thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, uh, we measured them or whatever else. And I was like 37, 38 inch legs. And I was yeah. like, yeah, shit, they are pretty big. He's like, well, why are you covering them? And I was like, oh shit. Okay. That actually makes sense. So then I started like changing my gear and, mm-hmm. um, and then I, ICW was starting to rise at that point yeah. in Scotland. And I, like, there was a bunch of good companies doing good business yeah. um, across Britain, but ICW just, just started to catch fire. And I got in, I was very lucky. I got in at a good time. And um, they had a great commentator there, Billy Kirkwood, yep. who just the, the moment I walked out, he called me the beast of Belfast. And that, yeah. that changed my life because I was kind of, I, I, I had a bit of a beard. I was just, maybe I was just starting to grow my hair, but at that point, I was kind of like still shaving my back and my arms and stuff like that. And he called me the Beast of Belfast. And I was like, okay, that's that's it. That's what I need. That's what I want. And then I just started growing out the body hair. I grew out the hair as much as I can, let the beard just go. Um, and it was it that helped, helped me find this this character, the, the style that nobody else was doing at the time. And that 
I just f- suddenly I was having guys who would like promoters who would just say, you know, sorry, I just, just don't really have anything for you. We're just continually getting in touch. And I said, yeah. we need you now. And I'm like, wow, fuck, you know, I, I couldn't get, uh, couldn't get work. And now I'm, I'm having to turn work down. It was, it was mm-hmm. crazy. Uh, it was one of those like 2013, 2014, yeah. you know, it was just this, this immediate rise. And 2015 was, it just exploded then. And I, I was all over the world. I was, <laughs> having matches against guys who've just been released from WWE. I've been I'm having matches with the top guys in the Indies. I'm having matches with guys from New Japan, and mm-hmm. that was it. That was my my trajectory. And suddenly, I'm I'm turning down work all over the place. Yeah. Um, I'm now having tryouts at, at you know yeah. WWE, and then I'm um, speaking to you know to New Japan at that point. And it, it's like it was just this this mental couple of years, um, and then boom, you know you you get given the, you know, the, the job offer, you know, and yeah. my, my wife actually, um, she got the, uh, she got the job offer before me. Um, so she was going out to America and I had to think at the time, okay, what do I want to do? You know, how am I going to, how am I going to organize my life? So I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll go to America. We'll try and do You know, a couple of months there, then I'll go back and I'll do work here and I'll do this and I'll maybe try and get over to Japan. And then boom, you know, the, the opportunity comes and you know i go to i go to america myself it was uh it was a crazy honestly when i look back at it i, I really wish i'd written a lot more down because yeah. it was it was just it was nonsense of it like i remember like to go back to like 20 2005 2006 you know we were struggling to get a you know a, a solid amount of work yeah. you know within eight years of that like everybody who i kind of started around the same time as me um, like the Ospreys, the, the Zack Sabre Juniors, there was just so many of them. Everybody was just getting so good all at the same oh, time. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, suddenly I'm walking into a show. I, like I, I said this before, I walked into an event. It was Progress, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And pretty much everybody who I respected in British wrestling was all on the same show. And I was like, holy shit, this is cool. Because like normally we're all in different shows at different times. But it was like a Sunday, Monday um, and you know, I'm there. There's Dave Mastiff and some, yep. you know, guys who like, you know, I, I laughably respected. You know, like yeah. just such such good talents, um, and like all these other lads who, who have all ended up all across the world. It was just this incredible roster. Then I was working with Rev Pro, and there was kind of like six of us, maybe maybe five or six of us, who were British and Irish, and all of us have went on to to yep. incredible things and. Um, it was just amazing. Like, so when I really look back, then ICW, Christ, ICW yeah. put six thousand people in a building. It was, yeah. it was unbelievable what 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 they managed to do. And it was just all this all happened at the same time. And yeah. you know, Britain was just Britain. All the eyes were on Britain. And then suddenly, like within a couple of years, pretty much everybody there was was in WWE or they were in yeah. Ring of Honor or they were in TNA or they were in New Japan. It was just this mental this mental couple of years but yeah so that was um that was kind of a, a rough guesstimate of how, how my career went until so, uh, until so america let, so let's look at uh this this moment in time and i i specifically remember that like the icw and the you know and i saw you know i watched some of these pay-per-views and events and, and select matches from there and you know just like eight seven eight years ago uh was the beginning of what seemed like this like revolution of like and this is pre-nxt uk um, this is like ICW and Rev Pro and Progress and 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 it was like this crazy momentum that was building, like with you and Osprey and and all these people you were mentioning. Did you guys feel that? Was that an actual like feeling? Could you tell that like all eyes were on you and you guys were building this? Was it? Could you actually like? Was it a palpable feeling there? I think there was an element of it because 
I don't think we, I don't think we knew how big it could get until it was literally slap bang in your face. Yeah. Um, but like, I think when the general standard was just so good that Americans were coming in, Japanese guys were coming in and they were mm-hmm. overwhelmed by how good everybody was. I think that was like when we realized, oh shit, maybe we are pretty good. You know yeah. what I mean? And thousands of people from across the world are like communicating with us. And, you know, and it, it was like, I think, I think because it all happened like in such a fast way, like it really happened over, over the course of a year. I think like mm-hmm. 2014 into 2015 was when it just exploded. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I even remember like OTT in Ireland, like, is this, is this great company? And like, they just exploded randomly. Like, yeah. you know, I knew that they'd been running, you know, a, a couple of shows and boom, they were putting like hundreds of near, nearly thousands of people in a building as well. So it was just happening in like three or four corners of, of the British Isles. And yeah. you were just like, oh my God. So every week. Um, so I'd be, I was kind of, uh, ICW was kind of like my, my spiritual home. So that's where I was, you know, kind of most based with. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'd be touring, like they, they bought a this big mad tour bus for musicians and they put us all on it. And we were like, every week we were, we were going all across, uh, all across Britain and Ireland. It was yeah. crazy. Uh, and then we were like, there was talk that we might be going to Italy and all like over, like all over Europe. And I was like, oh my God, this is mental. Um, while also they were putting these serious numbers into these bigger buildings yeah. as well. So it was, and then, you know, I'd go and do Rev Pro and I'd be, I'd be in the York Hall, which is one of my favorite venues uh, ever. 2000 people and everybody's on top. Yeah. I, I'd watch boxing there and stuff years ago when I was younger. Yeah. Um, and it was just this incredible arena. And I, I got to wrestle there a bunch of times. That's where I wrestled Shinsky. And, and like my match with Shinsky was, is the reason why I could sign to WWE. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, because they needed footage for, for Shen's debut. Um, yeah. And the only stuff they could use was the Rev Pro stuff because they couldn't get the footage for New sure, Japan. Sure. Uh, and it was all the footage is him him and me, well, mostly him beating the shit out of me. <laughs> um, but it meant, you know, like I was on their radar then yeah. and, and everything else. But yeah, it was like, um, I think like for a lot of us, you know, I think we had a lot of respect to each other. Like, because you just start seeing the same guys every week you're wrestling the same you know and you know that okay this guy's this guy's really fucking good this guy's really good this guy's got something going um every single one of us has some sort of link to to like a, a bigger company and it, it just ended up like at one point you're just like wow this is this is happening um but like yeah. you you almost couldn't take it in you just had you just had to keep going because sometimes you'd be wrestling on two or three different shows that yeah. day and you'd uh, I'd be in London and I'd have to fly to Glasgow to try and fit in both both ICW and Progress, which is probably a nightmare for the promoters, but like brilliant for us, you know what I mean? Like and it happened for a bunch of times, like, um, and you know you're you're going from one cr- like incredible crowd to another, and like it's it, yeah. it was just a bizarre time, um, but like I think like the, the real testament is how good so many of those boys were, like even like the likes of Mark Haskins, him and I did a bunch of work and he's this incredible talent. Yeah. Um, and it, had it not been for the, uh, the pandemic, he was meant to be with ring of honor. You know yeah. what I mean? He's, he's this, this and he's this brilliant talent. He's now, um, doing a lot over here and I'm uh, sorry, over in Britain. Sorry. But like, it was just like, the, like almost everybody in a card you were, you were up against was, was incredible. And you were just spoiled for choice because the crowd was so good everywhere you went. So yeah. whereas, you know, 10 years before that, you know, it was, it was slim pickings. <laughs> you know, what I'm, what I'm picturing is like, um, you know, this, this story that I heard on, I'm a big fan of music and I hear these stories of like early days of, you know, the velvet underground, this old punk band. And there's like maybe, you know, 200 people in the crowd. It's not a huge one. 
but everyone in that crowd went to start a band and everyone in that crowd started to be an artist. And like, so it was just like this breeding ground. And what I picture is just like, you know, even all these people that were in this small independent scene, then just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then where they are now. And it's just like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it started as a small thing, but then just like, you know, all of the most, all the biggest wrestling companies all over the world is just people from your home scenes, which is, it's incredible. Inc- well, when I really look back at it, like, I mean, like Zack Sabre was, was considered the best technical wrestler on the planet. Um, Will Ospreay is now, people are talking about him as the best wrestler on the planet. Like, you know, that's, it was just this, like, when I look back at it, like, it, it, it was madness. Uh, and then, like, the, the craziest part of it all was um, everybody was just trying to, you know, put on a good match. They were yeah. just trying to put on a good show. And I imagine it must have been similar to the Seattle scene there, like when the grunge was really oh, kicking off. Like, yeah. I imagine it was something like that. You know, you've got Nirvana and everybody else. They're probably all yeah. trying to one-up each other. And I guess that's what we were at too, you know. And um, thankfully, at the, at the same time, we had a lot of, you know, promoters with good heads um, yeah. who, were, who were putting, you know, punters in buildings. And um, But yeah, like when I when I really look back at some of those shows, man, like, um because i i'm one of those people like i, I really struggle to watch my old stuff like i i can watch the, my, my most recent stuff and yeah. i'll be cringing but like when i watch anything from like two years before or whatever i'm like oh my god but i i need to try and go back and actually watch some of these shows because like i just remember the feeling at the time going oh my god like this but like you know that, that's what i'm saying like in icw like we had drew galloway came back at this just at this perfect time he got released at yeah. dudley 2014 he came and he, he just He's what ICW really needed because there was myself, the Coffees, Noam Dar, Nikki, Nikki Storm or Nikki Ash, um, Viper, uh, Dewdrop, and, and there was just so many others who, you know, all had like a determination, but like maybe like aimless at the same time. And you've got a guy like Drew comes in and he's like, okay, I'm going to lead you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, like in the nicest way possible, because he, he's yeah. the most lovely man uh, on earth. Um, and he's just this incredible talent. And like, like myself and Tommy End and all, you know, so many yeah. others like of us at the time were all just like looking at him going, that's what we fucking needed at the, at the right time, yeah. you know, and Team captain. Um, it just absolutely, honestly, yeah. like, uh, and like, this is the thing I, I'm forgetting so many you know, aspects of, of, of how this all happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so try not to sell anybody short, but like, I remember like Drew coming in was a big, big deal. Like yeah. that was the end of 2013, I think. Um, and, you know, I got to wrestle my bunch and like that, it was so imperative for me because I get to learn so much. And like the weirdest part was, you know, him, you know, afterwards saying, you're really fucking good. And I'm like, Oh Jesus Christ. Um, and like, you know, and, and it's things like that that really help, you know, get you to the next level. And I think that was happening for a lot of us. Um, cause you'd have like the likes of, you know, Matt Seidel and all these people coming in, yeah. um, and they'd be wrestling the Ospreys or whatever and going, Holy shit, this kid's incredible. Yeah. And it was true. Cause, cause he was, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was just, you know, like that, that seemed to keep happening. Um, and then like, even when, as I said to you, when I wrestled like Tanahashi and Nakamura, it was like, that, it was, I had this, uh, about a week before that, I was, no, maybe it was about two or three weeks before that it was the G1. Uh, the 25 year anniversary, it was the climax G1. It was those two yeah. wrestlers. It was this amazing match. I was like, fucking in love, right? Um, and I'm like, fucking hell, I have to wrestle these two, right? Uh, <laughs> um, but it's like, you know, you either sink or you swim. And like, you know, I made sure that I was going to swim because it was yeah. such an opportunity. And, and, and like, that was the cool thing. Like, um, I know, like, for a lot of my friends who were even more talented than me, you know, found it very difficult as everything got, you know, 
everything rose because they you know maybe had to like deal with you know their, their families and whatever else or, or or just you know didn't didn't fancy taking that next step but for a bunch of us who who really wanted to take that next step it was it was just an amazing time and having the likes of drew there being able to lead us or yeah. um and then having you know the, the japanese legends over to help like it just you were just getting different advice that you needed at, at different yeah. stages and suddenly you're like you know you're being talked about across the world and it was it was amazing and like listen the likes of youtube and everything else helps and the oh, fact yeah. that everybody had streaming services and mm-hmm. we were just suddenly open to the rest of the world uh, and it, it, you know it helped that like godly wasn't putting on the best product at the time so like mm-hmm. people were looking for something else alternative um, yeah and you know impact wasn't on a brilliant channel like ring of honor wasn't on a brilliant channel so i think like it, it all just fit in with a, like at a perfect time for us um that you know, people were like, "Holy shit, we need to check out British wrestling." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you know, talk about the next step, and you know, we don't have to go super into this, but you do come over to the United States for NXT. Uh, you're you're known as Killian Dane. You're in your insanity, and we got to see a lot of of your matches, man. And 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 you know, you were a beast, insanity. So, what were your favorite matches and favorite, you know, just a few of uh of your favorite matches when you your time in NXT? Like honestly, uh, there's just so many. Like the experience itself was was mental. I was meant to come in for the first UK tournament, um, yeah. and that that was going to be my original debut, which would have been I think the January or the February, whatever it was, going to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that was that was the kind of I, I got there in like the September or the October, and like I started then at the PC like a couple of weeks later, whatever yeah. it was. Maybe it was November. I started. I, I can't really remember the the full dates. Um, and you know you're I'm in beginners class um, rolling and doing drills and whatever um, and then like you know they they have the coaches except for like the likes of Robbie Brookside and Johnny Moss who were both incredible coaches anyway for me um, I'd worked with both of them many times in, in the UK yeah. um, Johnny Moss actually was the first person I ever saw and went oh my god he's an actual wrestler so <laughs> <laughs> he's incredible shape um, and it's just amazing in-ring talent. But um, so I think like, you know, when I first went over there, um, you're you're just trying to acclimatize, you know, you're trying to trying to get the lay of the lands. There was a lot of NXT was going through its own changes, like in uh, trying to figure out what it wanted to be. You know, it had been doing successful stuff, you know, like it had been like um, started in the takeovers and stuff like that, but it was still not sure what it wanted to be, what its identity was. Sure. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm going there. There's this talk that there's going to be a British tournament, like, sweet, let's do it. Yeah. And then Sawyer Fulton gets injured and in, I think he was in Canada and he tears the, um, his pectoral muscle like so bad that he's out like months and months. And they turned to me and they said, we need you to, to, to join Sanity. And I'm like, Ugh. and like, first of all, you're like, you know, you don't want to replace somebody, but at the same time, you're like, this is my dream. This is what I, I've wanted my entire go. life is to, yeah. is to wrestle in WWE, you know. Um, so you've got mixed emotions, but you, you go, you do it, you do it as well as you can. There's a lot of teeth and errors, don't get me wrong, because they're not quite sure. Like some of the coaches want me to be exactly like Sawyer. Um, and I'm thinking I don't want to be a replacement for for somebody in case you know in case he comes sure. back. Yeah. Um, so eventually, you know, I, I go to Triple H, and Triple H tells everybody, emails everybody. It's really funny. Um, this is exactly how I want Killian to be. Blah blah blah. blah. And that 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 changed everything for us because um, then we knew exactly what they wanted me to be, and okay. I was able to start finding my feet and how I wanted to present myself, yeah. and um, I was able to work with them and make, you know, obviously a discernible difference between Demo and and, and Killian. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I was I bought these 
crazy kilts and I was wearing like the uh, this uh, mental leather slash fur jacket and whatever yeah. else. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, right? Yeah. Um, very expensive, but a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, got all that sorted. Like I drew, like I remember like uh, I drew the logo that I wanted, you know, just to give the guy a rough idea of what I wanted. Yeah. He did it like he did it almost perfectly what the way I drew it, like put awesome. it in the back of my stuff. Yeah. It was all, it was one of those really cool experiences. Um, and then like, boom, you know, you start wrestling and the matches just started getting better and better. We started getting a bit more freedom to do like um, longer matches, better matches. You know, you're the shackles started coming off because NXT yeah. started figuring out what they wanted NXT to be. They wanted it to be like a super indie kind of thing, sure, yeah. um, which is what, which is, was not what they wanted when we first got there. Yeah, but yeah. after about six months, you know, maybe, maybe eight months after they started figuring out, okay, this is what's going to work. Um, and then like, you know, the matches just, just start getting better. We had this yeah. cool four on four match um, in Orlando. It was uh, all of sanity against uh, Ruby. It was her debut. Um, Ruby Riot's debut. It was um, Chris Hero, Roderick Strong, um and who was the third uh sean spears uh ty dillinger so it was, match, it was like huh? we had this fun match and it was yeah. the first time sanity had all teamed up it was the first time we did all four of us yeah and the energy was great and the crowd was incredible for takeover awesome. um it was the night before wrestlemania so everybody was pumped you know oh, what i mean yeah. um and then this so the next day i did that andre the giant memorial yeah. at wrestlemania which just came out they, they told me about the day two days before um and i'm trying to get i this fucking face paint they put on us because they wanted us to do a thing with motionless and white the band sure. and so we've got all this mad fucking makeup on and i'm trying to get it off my face you know <laughs> uh, um and then uh my, my favorite matches though so i came a bit later so the i wrestled drew galloway yeah or sorry drew mcintyre he came back in the middle of 2017 we did a match at the download festival and that was the first time I had a singles match pretty much in NXT because yeah. I'd been working primarily as a tag team. And they were like, holy shit, this was really good. So they decided to do that on NXT TV. Uh, and actually, a lot of the matches I did in the Download Festival, they all got redone actually on television um, over the next few months. Um, so that went really well. Then War Games was, was this incredible experience. And that every, must have everybody... been a full circle thing for you. You're wrestling Drew at Download Festival. You know, that's full circle shit right there, man. Dude, it was mental because two years before that, like, yeah. Drew was, you know, almost picking me up and telling me, you know, I can I can do this and do whatever. Yeah. And next thing you know, we're, we're wrestling the Download Festival and we're wrestling WWE television. And yeah, yeah. It was it was mental. Um, and then, like, uh, I, you know, I, can't, I can barely remember the match. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, then uh, War Games, for example, was was amazing. Um, I got a you know some great chances to shine on that. Like everybody was in that match it was unbelievable. Like yeah. all of Undisputed Era, uh, Eric Young, Alexander Wolf, um, AOP were were very green, but they, they did such a good job in that match. So like yeah. we, it was mental. Try and you know the we felt this crazy pressure to do that match because you know War Games has been you know reinvented and mm -hmm. we're doing it as a three team thing, which is even crazier. And yeah, so we had to try and do something. So that was a lot of fun. And I did a four-way match in that December, which was myself, uh, Johnny Gargano, Tommy, uh, sorry, Alistair Black, and mm -hmm. um, Lars Sullivan. Um, and that was... I was, was there one of those... that one. Oh, you were there? Brilliant. Yeah, I loved the match. Orleans, it was yeah. it, it was incredible. It was... Uh, and, like, it's one of those ones that, like, it, it didn't really seem to get um, as much praise at the time. But, like, funny, recently people have been, like, as if they've just 
been re-watching NXT or something. Yeah. I've been like tweeting me about it. I'm saying, oh shit, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, I really yeah. enjoyed it. Um, and then from there, like, you know, I went into a thing with Lars. It was meant to happen in the January, but I think he got injured or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we, I ended up doing something with Alistair instead. I had a couple of cool matches with him. Yeah. Then we did this this ladder match at, uh, uh, was it New Orleans? I think it was New Orleans oh, the night that's before the WrestleMania. Was yeah. That was the, um, that was the, uh, one of the craziest uh, experiences of my life because, like, we, we just didn't expect to get the positivity after. Yeah. Um, we, we, we made some, like, rules that we all had to follow like um we're like no no fucking slow climbs up that you know if you're gonna climb that you're gonna fucking run up the ladder and it's up yeah. to the next person to stop you if, if they yeah. don't stop you you're winning the belt yeah so that was kind of what we we decided to do and it ended up i felt it really helped the psychology of the match and even though there was this crazy like we had this amazing setup for the finish and it all had to be changed because there was like a, one of the ladders fucking broke. Of course it did because, you know, we were all bashing each other with them, yeah, whatever. Of course. Um, so they had, they had the boys had to finish, uh, do the, the, the finish on the fly and they did an amazing job to try yeah. and still make that work. Um, and then like, you know, we got all this praise out, which, which just blew my mind because like there's been a million great ladder matches uh, and like, you know, we made our, we did our very best to try not to, to bastardize it. You know what I mean? Yep. We tried to think of what the psychology would be. And uh, it's a bit of a cursed match now, apparently. That's what everybody keeps telling me as well. But uh, <laughs> um, so it's just down to you, Ricochet. You're the last one, buddy. Hopefully you can, uh, you can keep it going. Uh, um, and then, uh, so after that, um, so we kind of, I did a, a really cool match with, uh, with Lars. Um, and I think it was, pretty much his first big singles match yeah. um, and fair play to him. Like he so little experience and he got injured. So, you know, he'd, yeah. he'd spent a lot of time on the shelf um, and the fact that he was able to go in there and, and do what he could was awesome. Um, don't get me wrong. It always hurt me because, you know, he, somebody who could throw me around was yeah. shows how strong they are. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, so that was a lot of fun. Then we went up to the main roster and we got to work with New Day, the Usos. Yeah. Like, we got to work Daniel Bryan and Kane on a, on a random SmackDown. Awesome. So, um, you know, there was just so many. Like, and then on the house, like the house show loop was was where the fun was at. Like, that's um, why I was here. Yeah. Oh, like that's that's the real wrestling. Like the television stuff is is what it is. Um, you know, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. But the house show is where you get to cut your teeth, and that's where you get to kind of let the hair down and and really go for it. Yeah. Uh, try and entertain a crowd. Sometimes it's it's you know I had some of the best experiences of my life. Like. Like Big E, like Big E and I worked a lot, and like the stuff he would do on the house shows. Uh, yeah, I, his job was to try and break me, right? And I'm pretty good at not being broken, right? Yeah. So, so the fact that he's trying to break me, you know, gives you an idea that uh, you know what we would try and do. Um, and then when I went back down to NXT, you know, got to work with, with Riddle, had did some cool matches with yeah. him, um, and then we ended up in the the a three-way dance with, with Pete and uh, Damian Priest. Yeah. And I did a singles match with Pete. There was, there was just so many that I really enjoyed. And then I was working with Drake Maverick at the end and he was yeah. doing my head in as he does in real life. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, there, there's so many cool, we got to work with like MSK and stuff like that yeah. as they were kind of coming up as they debuted. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we kind of had like, like a hell of a mix, you know, all throughout my, my, my WWE run. And I, uh, the, the things I look back on, I look back on so much, many matches, so many experiences. So yeah. I traveled with a great bunch of lads. It was great learning under Eric Young. Yeah. Um, as a as a true leader, 
Um, he'd been in television wrestling for so long, and like he had to guide myself, Nikki, and mm-hmm. Axel because all of us had wrestled for a long time, but not as television wrestlers. So having Eric there like really helped all of us and j- just gave us what we needed. Um, like and then some actually because Eric's such a, a bloody good talent himself. Uh, and then after then, like you know, you're you're getting to to learn under the likes of Shawn Michaels was he was coaching us and stuff like that. It was yeah. mental. Then I got to learn got to learn under Dave Finley, who, as I said before, is like. like one of my ultimate heroes um you know so and then william regal as well and you know you've got all these people like scott hall pops in god rest him and, yep. you know kevin nash is in xbox and you know all these people come in road dog whatever else and they're all just trying to impart their knowledge and you're you just you're blown away by it you know what i mean awesome. so and the, the only thing you can do is go yep let's do it yeah <laughs> so i i honestly i, I had a, a, an amazing experience um throughout That's WWE, awesome. and one of the best parts is like you know i i felt like everything that i i learned then i'm able to now bring back and help other yeah. people and, and that's what i've been kind of doing this last six months um is everywhere i've been going i've been trying to like give out a, at least a little bit mm-hmm. that I learned to try and help the next generation behind us because that's one of the reasons why we were so successful in Britain was because a lot of the younger ones who were coming through just after us, you know, the likes of the Pete Duns and everything else, and we're learning from our mistakes, yeah. you know, and we're, we're just getting better faster than we were. Yeah. Um, and that, that's what helped the scene, like, you know, continue. You know what I mean? I just, I remember like meeting Tyler Bate or something. I think it was in 2014. And he's like six, 16 or 17 years old. Yeah. And I'm like, this kid's fucking incredible. Like, right. Um, and like, he, like, he's just, he's just got better. You know what I mean? And like the sky's the limit for him. Whenever he decides to come over, yeah. he'll, uh, I'm sure he'll be, utterly fantastic and it's all on his shoulders you know what i mean um but yeah like that that's the thing uh, like my my goal now is to just keep doing what i'm doing in, insofar yeah. as you know trying to have as many good matches as i can and at the same time try and impart what knowledge i've learned and, and give people the especially for the next generation because i think it's really important um we want wrestling to continue f- for eternity you know we, we never yes. we don't want it to falter there's yes there's going to be dips and everything else um, and the bubble does burst, but the bubble grows again and it yeah. all happens all over again. Uh, and for us, that's what we want. We want to see somebody who, who maybe needs that um, pat in the ass that I needed in, you know, multiple times through my career. And I got it from people who I met. Like I, like I forgot to mention like Finn Balor, you know, Fergal Devitt, who, um, you know, helped us a bunch of times, you know, on, on this journey. And mm-hmm. like, there's so many others as well. Like the people you meet are the ones who, who give you that, that little push that you need. And that's what I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to do. Um, especially at OTT and ICW and Rev Pro and things like that. Because, you know, were it not for certain people helping me, I definitely wouldn't have got to where I got to. I, w- I wouldn't have been able to provide the life that I've been able to provide for my yeah. own family and everything else. So um, so that's that, that's a part of my goal now. And one of the, the coolest parts of it, traveling around the States now is meeting a completely brand new selection of people and being able to see who the next group's going to be, who, who are going to be talked about for the, for the next decade. Yeah. So, and that's that's what's been really cool this last few weeks as well. So now that I'm uh, now that I'm able to work <laughs> in yeah. state well, <laughs> we saw you at Defy. So you made your 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 first uh you know you made your debut at Defy at Defiant Nights with Eddie Kingston. You know that was your first time at Washington Hall. What was your impression of Defy oh at God. Washington Hall? So Defy, like I'd seen pictures of and I'd seen a couple of videos and stuff, and I was like, oh my god, that looks pretty cool, right? Um, so but I I didn't appreciate the the magnitude till I I literally made my entrance and I was like, Jesus Christ, like people who just want to go and enjoy wrestling. Um, 
we're in a weird period where I think people like almost live in their phones so much that they don't really get lost in a moment. Um, but when I got into the, the Defy Ring, I was just, I was bamboozled by the incredible crowd. It's such a brilliant venue there at the, the is it Memorial Hall? Is that what it is? It's a uh, Washington Hall. Yep. Washington Hall. And, and it, that, it was, that's an iconic venue. Jimi Hendrix played there. Oh my God. That's incredible. That's, that blows my mind. Actually. I didn't know that. Nobody said that to me when I was there. Um, <laughs> so uh, all along the watchtower, right? It was his yeah. cover of, of, I think it was cover of Clapton. I know it was cover of Bob Dylan and yeah. it's pretty much my favorite song of all time. It's absolutely amazing. Um, but like, honestly, like the, the, the building itself was just, it just carried the atmosphere so well. And the crowd just gave us everything. They were there. They, they, they loved everything we did. And I was like, Jesus Christ, I need to come back here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and like, it was, it was a great talent roster there as well. And there's, there's a few people there who are new. As I told you off air, I think I told you off air that I met Kevin Knight there. Yep. Um, one of the, the, the young lions there um, at New Japan. And, you know, there's some serious talent. I was like, oh my God, this guy's great. Uh, and obviously like, then you're seeing legends like, like Christopher Daniels, who mm-hmm. like, like, you know, I tried to embarrass him a couple of times. They're going, you know, Chris, you know, 20 years ago, I was watching you. But <laughs> um, and like, then also I'm meeting a bunch of lads who, you know, I, I met in Dudley, like the uh, the Bollywoods um, yeah, and then yeah. and, and Levi, Levi as well. Yeah. Levi and I worked a bunch of times. So, you know, there was just so many. It was such a cool roster. It was such a great, a great atmosphere. But then when you walk out that curtain, you're like, oh, my God, this is a place. This is. And I can see why it, it, it's it's getting so much attention because there's some great great wrestling and the crowd's digging what 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 everybody's putting out there. So um, honestly, like there was there was a lot to be excited about. Like watching like uh, the opener of the show was was Wheeler uh, Wheeler Yuta against Yuta. Uh, against CD and and it was yeah. just I was like shit that- we have to follow that you know <laughs> fuck uh, and uh, it, they just killed it and I'm like Christopher Daniels is still utterly incredible i had this yeah. exact experience yesterday as well i saw chris saban right yeah. i was obsessed with motor city machine guns uh, yeah. at the end of the 2000s i thought they were the fucking the, the coolest thing i'd ever seen yeah. and i've told josh this maybe about 10 times and i've embarrassed him every time i've told him yeah. um, and i told him about four times yesterday i was like nice. you know you're amazing right i, I genuinely love you uh, <laughs> and he's like who is this guy right. <laughs> um, and uh, but i was like that was cd i was like like CD can still go, man. He, he's not even like I, I hate even saying that because that's so rude. But he is ab- absolutely incredible, and like, yeah. and like I, I'm looking at him with with that interim title, and I'm thinking, you know, that's that might have to be my future, you know. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> uh, but no, it was a great experience. And then like the guys, guys like Shaft and stuff like that, like who mm-hmm. you know who are coming up next. You know, they're the next guys to to really burst out of the scene, and you know, there's a lot to be excited about. And that's in, what I want to see: Shaft versus Demo. Oh, absolutely! Like I think that's that's definitely on the cards down the line because that's a fella who, who wants to wants to brawl, he wants to fight, and he can throw people around as well. So um, let's see if he's if he's ready to step up to the next level, and I'll uh, knock him back down again. <laughs> so will we <laughs> be no, the, see, will we be seeing more big demo at Defy then? I can I can guarantee you that uh, from my first experience there, I was like, I need to come back. Yeah, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm I'm so excited to get back up to Seattle. So excited to get back. Um, to, to to that hall, watch it all because uh, I need to be in front of that crowd again because they gave us an energy that I was not expecting, uh, that's and that's amazing. you know I I think like I've wrestled in front of eighty thousand people, I've wrestled yeah. in front of like packed out buildings all across the world, and like as I as I told you earlier, the York Hall is one of my favorite buildings on earth, yeah, and I'm starting to think maybe the Washington Hall is going to be up there, yeah, man, 
Dude, well, we we welcome you back, man. And, and you know, we'll have to do this again, a part two after your next one. And maybe if you get the interim championship, who knows what the future is for Big Demo. Uh, I hope you have a great week, man. And, and how do we follow along with you and support you? You know, what, what are your handles and whatnot on the internet? Absolutely. I've, I've tried to keep this pretty simple. It's my name, Demo Mackle, all one word, <laughs> at Demo Mackle on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Um, and you can, I'll be trying to update as much as I can. I'm terrible at Instagram, but I, I'm, I'm decent at Twitter. Okay. I figured it out. Nice. It only took me 11 years. So <laughs> awesome. Big demo. Thank you so much for talking with us here on the defiant ones. And we'll be seeing you soon at, at Washington hall. Thank you, buddy. Can't wait.